The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. I'm Paul, and Brian is not here today, unfortunately. He is unable to make it, so it is just myself and a returning guest. You may recognize his voice from a few episodes ago, and it is the wonderful B-Rob. How are you doing, sir? I am here, and I'm ready to talk about some unfortunate events. Yes, uh, this is our second series of Unfortunate Events episode. Obviously, we did Series 1 a little while ago, and this one we'll be delving into Series 2. Possibly a slightly different format than the last time we did it, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, So first and foremost, let's try and get all of the social media stuff out of the way if you're following us the blokebusters you can find us at blokebusters.com or you can go twitter facebook instagram vero we're all on those at blokebusters and you can also find us on podbros.com and just search blokebusters or any of the other fine shows they've got on there and where can the good folks find you B-Rock? you know what i'm gonna start adopting that you know how you do the social media at the beginning of the show because i have these long-winded conversations on my show and then you know i get to the end and everybody probably burnt out and then i start saying where they can find me and stuff they probably tuned out like 20 minutes before that but you can find me on social media at it's b rob that's i-t-s-b-r-o-b that's on twitter and the show also has a twitter the show being random rambles with rob and the twitter handle is at three r show Alright, there you go. Short and to the point there. <laughs> we really should adopt that, but uh, we're probably not going to. <laughs> we, we haven't done it in this long Y start now. So Yeah, I know, right? Alright, so I think where we should start with this one, as I mentioned briefly before we recorded, is obviously we had you on to do Series 1, so when they dropped Series 2 onto Netflix... Like, where are you at? Were you, like, super excited for it? Were you like, oh, yes, I remember that. That was cool. Let's see what this is like. Like, where were you at and what were you thinking? when? Now, um, when season one ended, the way it ended, I was just like, I'm ready for season two. But it took (laughs) buku time for all that to happen. So, you know, in the meantime, in between time, we had so many uh, movies to come out and other TV events that um, happened, you know, it kind of drifted to the back of my mind. You know, I wasn't so much worried about it. And, you know, I kind of forgot when that release date was. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, um, Netflix like to send me emails and updates and stuff, especially when my bill is due. Yes. So I got the email notification saying uh, the series two of the series of unfortunate events is out now. And I was like, holy shit. I text my wife immediately while I was at work <laughs> and I was like, hey, it's back on. And, and, 
normal Miss B-Rob fashion. She already knows everything before I tell her. So I was like, you know, a series of unfortunate events season two is out on Netflix right now. She's like, I know that already. And I was like, of course you did. <laughs> so um, we waited until I think, I forget what day of the week it was, but I know we waited till Wednesday at least because that's when Mrs. B-Rob is off. Right. And I got home and we jumped straight into it. <laughs> And yes, I believe you said you basically just binge this in a couple of days, if yes. not one day. <laughs> yes, so. I, if I didn't have to get up and go to work the next day, I probably we probably would have finished it the whole time in <laughs> in one day in one sitting. Well, uh, good for you. Uh, I I did not have that luxury. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the previous podcast, but my wife is not a big fan of the show, so it was for me. I knew it was coming because I hadn't necessarily been on the lookout, but I do follow the Series of Unfortunate Event Twitter account, and so I was seeing the updates for, oh, it's coming out in 10 days, it's coming out in 9 days, and they were releasing all these little tiny videos, so that was helping to get me back into the swing of it and really ready to get going and watching it, and then it came out, and it was... The sort of thing where it's not ideal, but I was watching it in maybe one episode at a time, if not slightly less. So I was able to kind of take my time and savor it a little bit more than maybe the previous season. Of course, there's also two episodes more in this one than there were in the last one. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was very much looking forward to this, and I'm glad that I watched it, and uh, I also very glad that we get to talk about it now yeah and um like what you were saying um you were monitoring the twitter account i mean this you know at its core is what social media is about if you have anything that you do i mean you have this platform like twitter and facebook and all these other different places to peddle your shit because, I mean, they do this masterfully, man. They always put, like, little pictures and everything. They kind of remind you of what happened the last season and everything, give you some flashbacks. They keep you – well, this particular account keeps you thoroughly entertained until, you know, they start putting out shows. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. And uh, I wish I could get a job on the Netflix marketing team. Not that I have any real experience there, but I feel like that would just be so much fun to do. Just because of it, everything that they're willing to do. It's kind of like I also want to work for the Wendy's Twitter team. Yes. <laughs> did you download the mixtape? Uh, I, I did not. Uh, I haven't had the chance yet. But uh. I did. I, I downloaded it. It's like, I think it's five songs or whatever. I mean, they're pretty good. All right. I, I will make a note to do that tomorrow then, I think. All right. So, yes, the second season. Uh, we're not going to go through every episode, the entire plot. Uh, but uh, just a brief overview it the first season ended with the three orphans the Baudelaire's sitting on a bench at their new school that they're going to be staying at and the second season starts with the Baudelaire orphans sitting on a bench at their new school exactly where they were at the end of the first season and exactly when they were at the end of the first season so Mm -hmm. uh, very nicely done Uh, and this season does cover the next five books in the series which are the austere academy the ersatz elevator the vile village the hostile hospital and the carnivorous carnival Mm -hmm. and so 
I think this season, right off the bat, started with the reason that I love the show so much, which is they obviously recorded the first season, they waited until it came out, they filmed the second season, so the person playing Sonny, Presley Smith, uh, is now a lot older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's actually the same age, character-wise, and so they... Reference it, yeah. <laughs> they reference it perfectly by saying, you know, obviously the, the standard joke of, oh, I feel like, kind of like in The Simpsons, where it's, I feel like we've been wearing the same clothes forever. Uh, and it's the, you know, I feel like we've been sitting on this bench for months waiting for the guy. And then I think one of them just turns and just says, like, yeah, Sonny even looks older. And then Sonny babbles and it just comes up saying, gross, but question mark. And then that's it. That's the only <laughs> reference to it whatsoever. And yeah, like, they're just like, she's not even a toddler anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so well done. And I'm actually now really looking forward to seeing what they do in the third season. But they must have a line where it's like, seriously, Sonny, what's going on? Like um, Now, um, what you were saying in the um, beginning or whatever, you said this um, season covers three of the books? Uh, it covers series? five of them. Oh, five. Golly. Yeah. Are there any more after these five that they're covering? There are. Um, there's, Holy there's, shit. <laughs> there's four more books in the series. And uh, the next season, they've announced it already, is going to be seven episodes. So the, uh, the next three books, which are The Slippery Slope, The Grim Grotto, and The Penultimate Peril, will be two episodes each. And then The End, which is the last book in the series, will just be one long episode. Wow. So... so- so the books are done pretty much and they're just catching up to the books or giving the books time to breathe before they start filming again. Yeah, they. Um, I, I think the series has been out for quite a while, especially since when they made uh, the film, The Series of Unfortunate Events. I believe all of yeah. the books were out at that time, uh, possibly. Uh, but yeah, the, this series, I think, has been doing it perfectly where they, they've given each book two episodes, effectively two hours to cover pretty much all the material that's in the books and uh, uh, give us what I can only imagine is one of the most accurate adaptations uh, of a book to a TV series that has ever really happened. (laughs) Yeah, because like, I mean, we even talked about it on season one. I mean, I have uh, never read the books. I know they exist, but um, just watching season one compared to the film that they released before, it's just like they hit the beats in the movie, but you know when they did the show, they really fleshed it out and they tried to cover, you know, just as much of content that they possibly could. Yes, and uh, I will bring up the tweet. Uh, we got one tweet from Full Start Podcast at Full Start Pod. If you want to go and find them, uh, talking about their view on season two, and so I'll bring that up. Uh, now because they kind of mention um, the the guy that wrote the book series because they said I I really enjoyed season 2 and the noticeably darker turn once Esme showed up Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is actually also actually scary at points this season 2 Sunny has also improved considerably now she's not just a CGI head on a doll's body yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also like the mystery and Jacques being woven in better 
and uh, we'll definitely get to him in a minute. And feels like Handler took the book criticisms on board and is writing things and tying them together in a much neater way in the adaptation. So based on what they were saying, it seems like this is almost better than the books because they obviously had a series of writers to help out and then he was able to see what the response to the book was and make some changes for the show. Yeah. So, yeah. And, so. and, and you can actually tell if they... Um, took the criticism into consideration or whatever. That's why it took so long to do season two rather than just, you know, how the crux of some things is they just film consecutively and, you know, try to knock it all out in one swoop or whatever. But they did season one. You know, they let it breathe. It seems like they just took their time to, you know, analyze what they had, you know, gauge fan response, um, try to tweak it and, you know, give you more of what you asked for and make a better product and I mean I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I mean as much as I don't want to wait for season 3 I'm glad that I'm waiting for season 3 yes it's, uh, it's going to be a long wait uh, and uh, especially given the end of this season which uh, we can talk about in a little while uh, but yes it's uh, it's very good that Netflix isn't rushing this as a lot of networks or film companies say would probably do and i think it's because they have the ability to not rush it uh, they, mm-hmm. they don't desperately need uh, to to fire out the next thing because they've got so much stuff in between anyway so uh, so yes um this series i'm i'm trying to think of where the best place to start would be and i'm thinking a good place to start would be to talk about the new people in this series. Uh, So, uh, who was your favorite new character? Or at least character that then got a much bigger role, shall we say? Because there are some sort of background characters in the first series that did a lot more in this one. Yeah, well, there was the introduction to Lemony Snicket's brother. Oh, yes. (laughs) Good old Jacques Snicket. And it's played by just the... Immensely charming and always funny Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. So, it's a guy from Firefly, right? Yes, that would be Malcolm Reynolds or Rick Castle, if you, if anyone watched Castle. Uh, and Serenity. <laughs> well, yes, of course, uh, the the fantastic film follow up to Firefly. Uh, yes, I I think I'm probably going to echo you there that, uh, that Jacques is my favourite new character from the series. However. As they did mention in the um, in the tweet, I think Esme Squalor was a brilliant addition, and obviously she would be in the books, but played wonderfully by Lucy Punch, uh, just becoming this person who's even more off the rails than Count Olaf. Yeah, which you didn't think was possible. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like there's certain scenes in the movie to where she just kind of go off, and Count Olaf is just in the background, like looking out the side of his face, like, "What the hell is going on over here?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, you know it it kind of established her a little more as the leader of the group. Yes, and uh, and if only because Olaf is slightly afraid of her. Yeah. Now I tell you what was kind of trippy though. What like you know um, as they said um, the people who sent the tweet or whatever the false start podcast or whatever. Yeah. 
it felt dark and it felt dark because of her. Um, let's yeah. go a little bit forward to when it was in um, the hospital that had all the records and everything. She was um, following them through the um, filing room and everything. That was freaking scary. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yes. That was, uh, that, that was a woman who did not care if any of the children lived or died. She just wanted that sugar bowl. Yeah, those, and those heels were fierce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was also one of the things that I think the show did brilliantly, which is if either character had stopped to think about it for a second, there were a couple of fairly easy escape routes that they they could have covered or uh, Violet could have very easily just taken a quick left here and got out. But like, you're not thinking that when you're watching it. You no. are just watching this cat and mouse game that's happening and uh, it's uh, yeah, mar- marvelously done <laughs> now I, and, and also another add on to this you know um, when we watch season one it's just the dialogue between all the different characters especially, especially the Baudelaire children or whatever when they kind of get an idea in their head you know the, the, the pace rapids whenever yeah. they're talking back and forth to each other and I felt like they did that even faster in this one and I believe that's you know akin to the chemistry they probably formed over season one or maybe even you know keeping track up with each other between seasons and just practicing or whatever because they got that down to a T oh yeah definitely and uh, I would also say that when Olaf and Esme would start talking about their plant like they started doing the same thing Mm -hmm. their conversations got a little quicker until they were interrupted by something and then it was just back to the standard Olaf just showy way of talking Uh, uh, I'll give you one little gripe about this season though Okay. Uh, Count Olaf's his disguises this season were less fantastic than the ones in season one because <laughs> I, th- I feel like in season one he totally transformed into a different character to where in this season I, granted everybody kind of know the telltale signs of Count Olaf now you know yeah. usually when the kids accuse him they were like alright look for the ankle tattoo or whatever you know something like that but um, season two is just like yeah we'll just put a hat on you and some glasses and you know we'll change your voice up a little bit yeah i mean i I feel like a possible in-universe reason for that would be that either he has much less to work with because he is now on the run Mm -hmm. but also i think he realizes that he doesn't need to put any real effort into it because no one seems to recognize him ever yes (laughs) and they think he's dead too yes especially towards the end of the season yeah everyone seems to believe he's dead even though I feel like one or two people still don't stop looking for him. Like it's, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm, uh, if I'm just mixing it up in my head a little bit, but uh, yeah, it feels like even though he knows everyone thinks he's dead, he still seems to think that people are following him, yeah. which is technically true. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And another thing about the costumes or whatever, it was kind of further explained when you uh, we dive into the... Um, the volunteer firefighters <laughs> or yes. fire department or whatever because um the the costumes that he did have was part of a set yes yes it was it was part of the official disguise kit yeah <laughs> and yeah i i already knew uh, just based on uh, a little bit of research and uh, just kind of general absorbing of knowledge around the series but i already knew what vfd stood for so it actually was 
kind of fun to watch and it's a weird thing to say it's fun to watch the Baudelaire's get so frustrated by not finding out what VFD stands for and there's just, there's so many times throughout the series where it seemed like they're about to find out mm-hmm. and then they just don't yeah <laughs> and then they also unraveled the mystery of the ankle tattoo everybody thought it was an eye the whole time but it really wasn't it was the initials VFD yeah and uh, that's actually something that I think the film with Jim Carrey kind of messed up because the magnifying glass that he uses to start the fire is in the shape of kind of that VFD logo, but it is an eye. Mm-hmm. So I think they, that's kind of showing that they didn't fully get it. And uh, yeah, they definitely get it in this one. Yeah. So, so yeah, really, really cool design of the whole thing. And it, it, I think it really shows that they knew from day one what everything was going to be i mean obviously if you're following the books you know how it's going to end because they already had all the books but yeah and then that's another thing i wonder about too is just like i know this is a big you know production or whatever so you have multiple people with their hands and everything i wonder if the director actually gets down and you know reads all these books or does he have you know his staff you know go through everything and give him like the cliff's notes and everything I don't know. I get the feeling that anyone that became involved in this production, and all that, I feel like they would have read all the books uh, mm-hmm. based on uh, like seeing the books and uh, kind of flipping through some of them. They're not the longest of books, so okay. it wouldn't take too long if you decided, you know, an hour a day I'm going to sit down and read. It's not going to take you too long to get through all of them. Uh, it just might be, you know, uh, a month or two of your time. <laughs> so. How do you feel about reading? How do I feel about reading? I love reading. <laughs> oh, okay, I can kind of, you have, you have like the voice of a reader. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you can narrate me a good book or whatever. It's just like I can put on um, the Audible app or something and pick a book and have you narrate it or whatever. Oh, well, well thank you. Uh, I will say that as a compliment then. And uh, maybe I've now found my new calling. Yeah, you, you should try it out. I'm um give you some, I'm gonna give you a couple of Dr. Seuss books to practice with. You know, you just record the audio. You know, you just send me the files, and I, I'll let my kids listen to it, and then I I give you some feedback on it. All right, okay, I I, I will genuinely do that if you want to. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm, well, I'm gonna go find some books now. <laughs> I mean, hey, how else am I gonna get better? <laughs> exactly, exactly. See there, that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> Well, podcast over. We found the real reason for it. All right. Thank you. You can find me at. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. right. Let's jump back into these characters, though. Um, Tell me if I missed this or I just misread this. I mean, the the, the henchmen, the uh, Count Olaf's crew and cast. I, I, I feel like they got a little more depth this time around or whatever. I mean, they had a lot of zingy one-liners and everything on the first season or whatever, but I feel like, you know, there were more of the characters in this time around. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. They they seem to be willing to give these people more to play with. And again, not having read these books that uh, this series is based on, I don't know if that is in the books, but I get the yeah. feeling that it probably isn't. And they were like... Okay, now that you know the characters a bit more, maybe they gave them the chance to do a little ad living or to just see how some of these things work. Especially the hook-handed man, I yeah. think. He really came into his own in this series. 
<laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, I always felt like um, even before Esme showed up and, you know, kind of, you know, while she was there, that he was like second in command. Yes, no, very much, especially when he was talking to Sonny <laughs> in the uh, the Ersatz elevator. I, th- I thought that was uh, a great little scene where he's just like, yeah, oh, shouldn't you be? Oh, okay, yes, you're, you're going down into the, the elevator shot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like you know he's a henchman. He knows he has to do some henching or whatever. But yeah. you know he, he also is an independent thinker. He's just like he kind of questions the logic sometimes. Yeah, and uh, especially I, I like the fact that he can understand Sonny. Like, yeah, uh, I think in the film, uh, like kind of the big bald guy is the one that can understand her, but it only comes up once. Whereas in this, it seems like. Sonny and the Hook and Man have a couple of moments where they are talking to each other. Yeah, because so. they had kind of like a thing in um, the first season or whatever when they was playing cards, right? Yes, definitely. Uh, and I, it felt it felt like in the first season that that was just kind of a a, a nice little punchline to the to the, that part of the the episode. But yeah, it seems like they were actually kind of forming a bit of a bond. Uh, between those characters so that they could have a little bit more payoff in this series. I mean, now that we know that, you know, we kind of, you know, kind of deduce that on our own or whatever, you think, you know, there might be some dissension in season three, you know, involving him? Because another thing that I kind of peeped out, I mean, you can, you can uh, shoot me down, you can prove me wrong or whatever. (laughs) Um, The the taller guy, um, not the... um, Frankenstein looking motherfucker, uh, but the, um, the, uh, the one, the gender guy. The yeah, one the person of indeterminate gender. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Did it seem like him and Hook Hands had like a little close relationship there? Because I can, re- I can point to a scene to where, you know, it kind of made me think on that. It's just like after the hospital started burning down and whatever and everybody was in the car ready to go and Hook Hand guy was like, I'm waiting on someone. I'm waiting on someone, you know. <laughs> he said, yeah, if he's not here in a minute, we're going to leave. And he was just like, so you know, impatiently waiting on the gender neutral guy to show up. Yeah, no, it's, it it definitely seemed like at the very least it kind of shows that the hench people themselves really like each other. Yeah. And so it, I I think that kind of helps to prove as to why they're still with Olaf. Like they clearly are sort of in awe of Olaf a little bit, and they all yeah. really like each other. So I think they're all keeping themselves from leaving. Because yeah. they're not all going to leave, and because of that, none of them are going to leave. Yeah, see, and that, that goes back to what I was just saying. Ago. He he has that, you know, second. he has those leadership qualities or whatever, and to where, you know, anytime Olaf was quick to be like, ah, screw this guy or whatever, he, you know, he was the one to be like, you know, we got to wait, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to make sure that they're all right. Yeah, and it, or, or even um, trying to help out like, when they were at the school, and Olaf was the coach and he was like, yes, I've got all of this new stuff we're doing. And then the hook and man just kind of like, taps him on the shoulder and nods in the direction of the Baudelaire. It's just like, what are we going to do about that? Like, they're still here, boss. Let's, let's figure this out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to, to see. And it's it really fun. It's something that I feel like regular TV, when they have a series going on, there isn't this much development this quickly and mm-hmm. it's a bit of a shame uh, this this type of show is feeling very much to me like the english style of making yeah. a tv show which mm-hmm. is 
quality, not quantity. <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, it, it's something that I feel really helps the show and is just kind of a breath of fresh air, really, <laughs> when, it, yeah. when it comes to that type of thing. And uh, one thing I will mention actually about this series is something that uh, Brian was talking with me about, and uh, he would hate it if I didn't bring it up, is that we mentioned the show kind of got darker just in terms of themes that they covered. But did you also notice that it genuinely seemed to be also getting actually darker as the series went on? Yeah, I did. And I I feel like based on watching it, that was definitely a conscious decision. And it makes me wonder what's going to happen towards the end. is, Is the last episode going to get progressively lighter? Or something as uh, as things start paying off and maybe things go well for them. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, it was it was very interesting and it, it did lead to a couple of moments, especially towards the the end of the series, where it was a little bit difficult to see some of what was going on. Uh, yeah. But uh, I I do think that it was a very good visual representation of the series itself getting darker and also. Uh, the light is just slowly disappearing from the Baudelaire's lives. Like nothing is going right for these kids, which yeah. Lemony Snicket keeps telling us, and uh, we keep ignoring him and watching anyway. And yeah. and yeah, I once again just the writing in the show and Lemony Snicket's interjections and yeah, English lessons basically <laughs> throughout <laughs> half the series, and you know the difference between literally and figuratively. And then how often that comes up in the episode as they were going through it. It's just it, astounding. It's almost a masterclass to watch. Yeah. It's like how to how to set up. It's the Chekhov smoking gun thing where like they set something up and it's like every single thing they say, you know, is going to be paid off. There's, yeah. there's nothing and, just hanging there. And then sometimes they even tell you straight out. It's like, remember this later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there you go. And then sometimes even before the thing they told you to remember later happens, he'll interject. Remember this? <laughs> and it's like, um, it's, when this goes away, I'm going to be genuinely sad. You know, because, I mean, it's a good series all the way through. For, I mean, from so far what we've seen. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to episode one, season one, and start all the way over again. <laughs> I I think it's going to be... Uh, interesting to do that and I I think I'm going to want to do that because I feel like when we reach the end and we learn the true motivation behind some of these people and we learn what that means I think it'll give a good new perspective Mm -hmm. on the the people we were watching I feel like Olaf there's there's got to be something else yeah something that made him go this way you know and they slowly are in covenant we're getting some glimpses into it or whatever i mean more than anything we we fleshing out the backstory of lemony snickets himself yeah and i i love that he is still on the run like mm-hmm. it's uh, uh it was a kind of a, a fun thing to see in the first series where he started out in the hotel room and then you just see him packing and then he goes out the window during one of his uh, monologues. Uh, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> and now we realize, oh, that, that wasn't just a one-off. He is genuinely 
on the run from somebody and we don't even know really who is i mean i think it's just the police but we don't know why so yeah i, I yep. think uh, uh the show does very well uh giving you something but yeah. not giving uh, you everything and damn it we're just this damn close to figuring out who the fuck Beatrice is. <laughs> yes, uh, I I have my own theories on that, but I I don't I don't know if I'm right, and I uh, I mean I, I'll well, say it now. And... Well, no, well, how about no? Because <laughs> see, you okay. dig and you research or whatever, and I just leave everything out in the wind. I just like to <laughs> be genuinely surprised. Whenever we end this call, you can pause your audio and you can keep going, but I don't want none of it. <laughs> okay, that, that that's fine. It's just uh, yeah, I will. I'll say now that I have a theory as to who Beatrice is. I I genuinely one hundred percent do not know who Beatrice is, but I have an idea as to who it might be. God damn it! I'm still, I'm, but I'm still intrigued though. So go ahead, just lay it on me. Fuck it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm moderately confident that Beatrice is either the Baudelaire's mother or the Baudelaire's aunt. I think that okay. she is directly related to them in some way, and I think that either she died through VFD means or from Olaf. So like, I'm yeah, I I'm very interested to see where this goes and I could be completely wrong and it might just be yeah. uh, like I don't know it might just be that it was someone that he saw from afar who died in a car crash and he's just been obsessing over her and it actually has no bearing whatsoever on the plot I highly doubt that's the yeah. case but, yeah. but you never know <laughs> I mean because I mean season one was a whole misdirection and everything we thought that the the two parents that they showed the parents of the other set of orphans were the Baudelaire's mother and father. And yeah. they completely swerved the shit out of us or whatever. <laughs> and then like, um, there was a little thing that I, I kind of remember offhand. It was like a, um, a throwaway line or whatever. Because they showed the lady, they showed the old um, party that they was having, the masquerade ball. And then they had the lady in the dragonfly wings. And then they show Count Olaf, you know, presumably pushing her over the edge of the building. You know, and um, Limited Schnickets was trying to get to her and everything. You know, I feel like that was Beatrice. Also, I I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Also, later on in one of the episodes, um, I think Count Olaf referenced something to where um, I didn't think those um, dragonfly wings actually worked. Yeah. So So we know she got out of it. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, that can also lead us to believe that Limited Schnickets doesn't know that she's not dead so you know, there's a lot of things going on <laughs> yeah i find it interesting because um i the main reason that i'm moderately confident that she is the baudelaire's mother uh and i i'm trying to recall and i'm not coming out with anything if they have mentioned the names of the baudelaire's parents yet and yeah I, I don't think they have but the reason that i think that they're at the very least they're hinting heavily towards it is that we know we now know, based on the end of the series, that one of the Baudelaire's parents is still alive. Still alive, yeah. And it's hinted that it's the woman that we see right at the end. But also, Lemony Snicket's dialogue to camera, basically talking about the fact that he's on the trail of the Baudelaire's, or he has been on the trail of the Baudelaire's, and that someone else is on the trail of the Baudelaire's that he didn't know about at the time. Mm-hmm. And that it's... Su- that all he knows is that it's someone that he would 
like, I can't remember exactly how he words it, but it's like it's someone that he would dearly love to see again, but knows that he can't. And so I think that that woman is Beatrice. And yeah. So I, that's why I've made that connection there. But uh, but again, they have done they've done so many things where they've thrown literally at times a red herring on screen. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Both literally and figuratively. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Now, with the with the fire to the house or whatever, I mean, was that, like, fact that Olaf started the fire? Yes, I, I, I believe it is, um, it is fact because he's mentioned that okay. he set it on fire. I don't remember which episode it was, but like he, talking about it, like, I think he has mentioned that he set it. Yeah, um, and then like the um, the speculation of the whole thing or whatever, why Lemony Snickets is on the run? Why is he paying so close attention to the Baudelaire's? Uh, we talked about Beatrice possibly being their mother. Could Lemony Snicket possibly be their father? That I don't know. I don't know because you I mean I don't know anything about the books. I mean I don't know. I'm just reaching at straws or anything because I don't know anything. Because maybe he's on the run because Olaf maybe set him up for the fires. Possibly, that, I mean that could be that could be a good one. I think that that's quite likely at the very least that Olaf is the reason why he's on the run. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because we clearly see at the, in the season one that are even in the flashbacks for season two that they were close. Because um in the season one they show the bookcase of the um, at the school is him and Lemony Schnicken arm in arm. Yeah, him and Olaf, and then you know. In the flashbacks, you know, they have some kind of history there through the masquerade ball and everything. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah, and it it, it seems like, uh, uh, and I think they do mention it, that um, Olaf was a member of the VFD at some point yeah. and then mm-hmm. splintered off with the, the people that decided that setting fires was more fun than uh, than snuffing them out. So, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's interesting as well because obviously when they're talking about fires in that respect, they are referring to not literal fires, whereas all of the fires that we've seen in the show have been literal fires. So it is mm-hmm. literally that Count Olaf is an arsonist. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like so many fucking layers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fires as in, you know, conspiracies, plots. Yes. And all kind of crap like that, and then there's actual fires. Yep. You know, <laughs> it's weird. And then I was just like, volunteer fire department. I was just like, that's a fucking weird name for a secret organization. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I and mean, it, it's something. It's something really cool that I think is that I believe we are going to get a, a full. Uh, the, a full answer to the question by the end and I'm fine waiting to find out what yeah f- like everything behind VFD exactly I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you man it's just like I'm all for waiting if you're taking the time to make the thing that I want to see the most better I mean, it's the same thing with video games. People get pissed off. Oh, man, they pushed it back another month, another two months or whatever. That's because they don't want to give you old glitchy ass product. They want you to have good quality shit when it comes out. Yeah. And, and that that is something that has been happening a lot now in that not to not to try and tangent, but to reality in the video game industry. The problem is they have a very narrow window to get the games out 
mostly because the distributors want to get the game down, want to get the money. And so mm-hmm. rather than pushing that back, it's now just becoming, well, we'll release the game and then we'll just patch it. Like, yeah, no <laughs> shit. I hate, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, and then, because look at Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> this game been out for years. They only released it once. Yeah. <laughs> they keep adding to it and making you know changes to it over time, and it's like the most profitable game ever in freaking video game history. Yeah, because because it's that they took the time to make this game. Yes, this um. Is. And then the new game is coming out in October, I think, or November. Red Dead uh, Redemption Two. They took years and years to make that game, and it's going to be excellent because they took the time and the effort to fix everything. You know. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto. As soon as you pick the game up, you, you it's just like you can tell they took their time with it stuff. Because I mean, there's just people roaming around the world with you know dialogue. You know, just in case you happen to roam around that area, you can overhear their conversation. There's nothing a consequence, but it's just time that they took to put somebody in a recording booth and had them say X amount of scripted dialogue just for the chance that you drive by them and hear them talking about something or run them over with a car. And, you know, just, <laughs> you know how Grand Theft Auto is. Yeah, you only get half the audio because you're not. <laughs> actually caring about them <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it really is interesting that uh, and again i think it's down to the quality over quantity thing and that that is like, bringing it back to this that's that's why i think this series has been doing so well and why mm-hmm. a lot of netflix shows have been doing so well is that they you know they'll get the pitch or whatever and they'll take it on and then they they don't have to announce oh we're working on this and we're going to release it in six months like mm-hmm. they're not doing that they're just taking it on they're making it and you know maybe it'll be in um like uh, business insider or something so the news will get out that they're making it but there won't necessarily be a definitive release date until they're they close just to dump ready. it in a damn queue <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that was that was like um on hulu they got this show called the path or whatever oh, i mean yes uh, the, you watch i i haven't seen it but uh that, that's the one that has uh, jesse pinkman in it doesn't it yes he is um i think he's the producer executive producer on that show all right and it's it's good i mean it's in his third season right now and we just i just watched the end of it i just finished it off and it's good you know i mean it's <laughs> good storytelling or whatever it is because i mean they're on a platform to where you don't have to rush to meet time hacks i don't think it's just like hey we bought this idea here's the money to do it get the shit done and then we'll just drop the whole season on our platform and it'll be there forever or however long we get to keep it you know yeah definitely and then we talk about the you know what you was talking about quality over quantity look at the past 10 years of marvel to pay it off with infinity war yes and uh and then look at the reverse side of it. Look at DC <laughs> Justice League. Yeah, or don't look at DC. Really. Yeah, to possibly put out Aquaman, the Batman, Cyborg, and maybe the Flash. Yeah, um, yeah. I've heard Ben Affleck is done with that shit. I believe so. I believe he basically decided that. Nah, I'm good. Uh, and it. 
kind of a shame because uh, I, I did think he did an all right job as Batman. I haven't seen Justice League, so I can't speak to that. But when he was uh, when he was Batman in Batman v Superman, he was okay. The yeah. film itself I, wasn't that great, but he was okay. Yeah, yeah um, I, I have Justice League. I'm looking at it right now here on my movie shelf, and it wasn't a bad movie. It could have been better. <laughs> they could have took the time and cultivated a better story and everything, but um, you know, that's a whole different thing because Marvel, they took the time to cast the right people, took time to build those people's stories, even if they didn't get a full-length movie. Uh, you know, characters were prominently featured in other characters' movies. <laughs> DC, that whole camp over there, just like Throw money at Ben Affleck. Throw money at this person. Put them all in one movie, and let's get this shit out there. <laughs> and then we'll worry about the other shit on the back end. Yeah, because Ben Affleck went from directing and starring in the next Batman movie to stepping down as director just so he can focus on being Batman. From you know what we just talked about now, it's speculated that he's just done with it. Period. Now, so I mean that goes to show you how they doing business over there. Yeah, it's just. It was a real shame. I mean, I again, I enjoyed him as Batman. I rather him be Batman for however long they planned it out, rather than to have them switch out with a fresh face in the same storyline that they plan on doing. I, I I don't like that. Yeah, I, I'll say this, and then we'll probably get back to it. But yeah, I feel like when it comes to DC, maybe they should like take a break of like like four or five years. Just just don't bother making any more. Think about it. And then come back, like yeah, you know, start again completely fresh, with the exception of Wonder Woman, because Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman now. But there's no getting over yeah. that. But uh, yeah, like just come completely fresh to it and just go. You know what? We did it wrong. Let let try this better. Yes, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But uh, I, I feel like they really should. Yeah, um, Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight, and. Um... Wonder Woman, best DC movies they have ever produced. Yes, yes, definitely. And to to put an end on it or whatever is just like I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I was going. Just in that instance, fuck it. Let's get back to the limited snickets. Uh, yes, <laughs> definitely need to do that. What was your favorite uh, like two episodes? Then what was your favorite book that they covered in this series? Um. I like what they did with the, um, what was that, the carnival or whatever? Oh, the carnivorous carnival. Yeah, I like what they did with that because you just see pretty much what is the end result of the um, librarian just completely transformating into a freaking VFD agent. Yeah, very well done. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those things that she was just a bog standard librarian at the at the beginning of the series and then just through meeting Jacques and like growing as a person she turns into a, a formidable agent that meets an unfortunate end in the, yeah. the end of the series yeah I mean there was a series of unfortunate events that led to her demise yes very much so <laughs> <laughs> and again just so uh, so many great bits so many little one lines in this series where they they would either mention the series or episode like like you know oh this episode in your lives is not yet over or something like that Mm -hmm. all of these little throwaway things that were just so well done um but yeah i think i think my favorite 
of this season was probably the Ersatz Elevator, I think. Yeah, yeah, when um, we first was introduced to the girl and everything. Yeah, because I, I think that was, that was one of my favorite just kind of turns, as it were, when you realize that Esme isn't what you yeah. thought she was. And mm-hmm. I mean, she is, apparently she genuinely was completely stuck in all the fads and had to have like whatever was in like that that was mm-hmm. actually her but everything else yeah she, the only reason the Baudelaire's are there is because she's helping her laugh and it's- and they always had you know an, an emotional anchor in each uh series of the um stories that they told in this season because um what with the school where they started off in that saga there the, those two episodes it was the librarian. She was the one that, you know, showed, you know, she genuinely cared for the orphans and everything. And, you know, you kind of sympathize with her Yeah. Uh, when they when they moved on to, um, you know, the elevated portion of it over those two episodes. It was her husband, Esme's husband. You know, yeah. you sympathized with him and whatever. He was like that emotional anchor for that episode then we move on to the uh hospital it was a uh, david allen greer's character the um the foul guy yeah whatever which he did a good role he did a good um piece in that i like that a lot oh yeah and, you know he was the emotional anchor in that episode and then when you go to freaking uh what the carnival uh well they um they, they went to the vile village before they went to the hospital oh yeah that, that, that one was hector the, yeah uh, that was hector yeah the one that built um the ship yeah, that built the self-sustaining hot air mobile home uh, where he wasn't fainting because he did a yeah. lot of fainting. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we um, also lost the other set of orphans. Not tragically, but they went away with Hector. Yes, yes they, they managed to, to get away. And, of course, traditional pseudo unfortunate event style, they're attempting to give the Baudelaire everything they need to figure out what's going on. And then the book gets shot with a harpoon gun. So they, yeah. they, out of all the things it could have hit in the air, it hit the book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, hit, yeah, hit the book and then managed to go through a crow as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and also, and also a, a, a big piece to each and every one of those episodes, a, a good tying off uh, character there throughout the whole thing was... Um, the one guy that always would show up in the, um, the freaking disguises or whatever. He was the um, lunch guy, lady. Oh, uh, and then, yeah, Larry. You know, he was the waiter at the um, restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I believe his character's name is Larry, uh, but it's like Larry the waiter, I believe. Larry, your waiter was uh, yeah. the name. <laughs> and he pretty much, I think he always is a waiter, no matter what it, where he turns up, he's always working as a waiter somewhere. Yeah, he's serving some kind of food. <laughs> Because he was the lunch lady. <laughs> yeah, he was the lunch lady. He was the waiter at Cafe Salmonella. Mm-hmm. Uh, Season one, he was at the restaurant. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Just all of these characters that you're following all the way through. And you may not see them for an episode or two. But every time they turn up, like you remember them perfectly. They are the fully fleshed out characters that... I, I will say the one character that started to grate on me just a little tiny bit, uh, and uh, uh, I'll say this, and then we'll probably should start wrapping up. But uh, yeah, is the wife of Mister? I was just—I was thinking it as you were saying it. I was—I was, I was going to bring her up and him up. 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was um, especially during the Ersatz Elevator's second episode. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the rule of three in comedy, but they, I feel like maybe they went a bit too far where she just kept saying, wait until the readers of the Daily Pontilio hear about this. And, yes. <laughs> and they did end it on a fun one, which I believe was, wait until the readers of the Daily Pontilio hear about whatever just happened. Because <laughs> even she doesn't know what just happened. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, they, and I get it. She is uh, a horrible person who is only interested in herself. But that does great a little bit. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I um, yeah, I I think, and if that's the worst part of the series, that someone that turns up a few times an episode is in it, like I'm I'm happy with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now I'll tell you what you know when this is all said and done, you know, with the third season, they tie this thing off in a bow. I hope we get down to the bottom of the real mystery of this whole series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck the banker cough so goddamn much? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with him? Did he have cancer? What's what's going on with this dude? I I really hope that what happens is at the like in the end, he, towards the end of the episode, he coughs and like a little chicken bone just comes out and like that. That's all it is. He's just had something at the back of his throat the whole time, and it's just not. He's not been able to lodge it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been getting progressively worse since season one. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And they, um, I think, at least one character kind of like mentions it to him. Like, have you seen anyone for that cough? And I think he just goes, "What cough?" Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, beautifully done. That this guy who's in charge of all of this money and and the Baudelaire is just an idiot. Yeah. And then it, I think it was um, a couple of times referenced on there that we asked for somebody for a lozenge twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have enjoyed seeing him just being mm-hmm. like, that clueless. And yeah, it's, he's, I think it's almost always him that is the one telling the Baudelaire's that this word means this, which of course mm-hmm. leads to we know what this means. <laughs> and him and. Um, the boy, the boy Baudelaire. Uh, those, Klaus. Those, yeah, Klaus. Those two handle their lines so damn well. Yes, like whenever, whenever we talk about how they, you know, get into that dialogue spat to where they just, you know, rapid fire back and forth, back and forth. Those two handle themselves very well. And it is just like whenever Klaus does it, it's like he is on the verge of running out of breath when he's talking. Yeah. You know, he's like, then we got to do this and we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. <laughs> Yeah, that, and, but both of those two characters do that masterfully. Oh yeah, that definitely. And it it is also fun to see like Klaus has, and it kind of came to a head towards the end of this series. But Klaus has every single episode gotten more and more annoyed that mm-hmm. everything they've been looking for just keeps vanishing in front of them, and that it, and it's not even just visibly annoyed, like. Especially when, since he's the one that normally says, we know what that means. As you watch through the series, his response of, we know what that means, is getting more and more curt every single time. And then towards the end, it's just like, we know what that was. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So <laughs> you're fed up of saying this now, aren't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's going to uh, build to a crescendo. Something's going to 
outcome of it. Watch. Yes. Because they don't do nothing by accident. No, they do not. Uh, and and uh, just, uh, I think we'll finish this episode by also just mentioning the ending of the series, which is something that you don't see very often, which is a literal cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. <laughs> and this show does that all the time. It's just literal shit. You yep. know, it's just like... <laughs> we're not going to leave you on a cliffhanger and then they got a damn wagon hanging off a cliff <laughs> yes they did and uh, and yeah I, I love the uh, the whole in the belly of the beast in the last episode where it's like you know and you know you'll hear three times in this episode the belly of the beast and then the number comes up not including that one so then yes. get away <laughs> <laughs> he said not including this one either yeah. <laughs> and uh. yeah that was just it's so well done that they just added those extra bits in there. So I am, I am fully on board for season three, and mm-hmm. I have no idea when that's coming out. And nope. I will be eagerly awaiting that from the second I find out that it. Oh, it's coming out in two months. It's like, all right, I've got to put that in the calendar now. Yep. Or I'll just be at work getting texts about it from Netflix <laughs> after I pay my bill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they wait until you pay them, and then they say, "Oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> there's this coming." But, yep. Yeah, a little bit like your dealer, really. It's just like, yeah, you, yeah. You got that little taste, but now you got to pay for some more. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I think it's, that's as good a place to stop as any. <laughs> yep, we we we're gonna um, pawn it off on our dealer so we can get on out of here. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I think. One last time, then uh, I, I'll say thank you for coming back on. It's always a blast to have you. And uh, why don't you tell people where it is they can find you again? Once again, you can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling or any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. I also host a podcast called the Random Rams with Rob Podcast, which you can also find on Twitter at. 3R show. You can go to randomrobcast.com to find my guest list and um, you know see different ways that you can help the show grow and prosper into something bigger than itself. <laughs> um, you can also follow me on Instagram. Just type in Random Rams with Rob or hashtag 3R show or hashtag Walmart log because I often walk the hollowed halls of Walmart <laughs> looking for you know symbols the vfd logo um trying to avoid a series of unfortunate events in there because i mean i don't want to be walking through there with my um six pack of alcoholic beverages or whatever and slip on a banana peel and bash (laughs) all my shit on the ground or whatever so if you like walmart look up my instagram all right even if you don't just look it up for him yeah He's an interesting fellow, that B-Rob. <laughs> yeah, yes he is. Am I referring myself into the third person? <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> you know, why not? Life's too short. You may as well just do it from time to time. Uh, yep. And, of course, you can find us uh, pretty much any social media. Just search Blokebusters. We're on there. And uh, we, we now have Blokebusters.com. And the website looks a little different now because we have moved to a different service and hopefully it looks a little snazzier so uh, what you get you get Squarespace uh, no it's actually Weebly is uh, what we went oh, with oh okay and uh, I, I kind of enjoyed playing around in that stuff so um, it's, it looks kind of cool I mean if maybe down the line if we have a little bit of spare money put in we'll uh, we'll front the money for Squarespace but right now we're, I, I think we're, we're cool where we are 
All right. This episode has been sponsored by Squarespace.com to where you can enter www.squarespace.com forward slash Blockbusters podcast and you can get 10% off your web building experience. I mean, you can give it a go and see if it works. Uh, I can't guarantee that anything that B. Robert just said is true, but you can try it. I don't know. Is it or isn't it? It could figuratively be true or literally. You just don't know until you try. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, uh, yes, with all that being said, then, so I've been Paul. I've been B-Rob. And see you next time. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Brian here with a quick lesson in theater etiquette. We don't need to hear your comments after every single trailer.